Hey everyone, Austin Swanson here, aka 24-7. Today I'm discussing Cardlytics, and I'll be going over the Q2 2023 earnings. More specifically, I'll be discussing the Q2 results, the improved liquidity position, positive free cash flow and the related guidance, the new user experience, new potential banks, new offer constructs, new hires, lower billing share with Chase, and much more. If you're new to Cardlytics and looking for just more general information about the business and the investment prospects, I did do a recent interview on the After Dinner Investor Podcast. Uh, so the episode was called, Will Cardlytics Be a 1000 Bagger? So make sure you check that out. So last week uh, was Cardlytics' Q2 earnings. Uh, as you'll see, there is a lot of information we're gonna be discussing. This is information from, from on the call, after the call, that's what these asterisks means. These are, I just wanted to point out that there's information that you may not have heard yet uh, from uh, Carlex talking to investors after the call, as well as information that I found within the 10Q that was very important. Uh, I did already send this out to everybody who has access to the research notes on Substack, uh, but now I wanted to discuss this to, with everybody. Also, I didn't do a YouTube video on it, so if you haven't seen already, my last public post was on Clifford Sosin of CAS, who is seeking a Carlex board seat. I put a link here, so make sure you check out that post as well. And if you're looking for Carlet, uh, information on Carlytics sooner and significantly more information, make sure you subscribe on my Substack and upgrade so you can unlock the uh, research notes. Recently, in the last, like, just since March, so very recently, I've sent out many emails with 50 notes <laughs> about Cardlytics. And as you know, if you're just on my uh, YouTube channel, I, I have not done 50 YouTube videos. So I am, and the reason for that is it takes a lot of work putting these, these videos together where I sometimes just want to get out information and quickly. Uh, and so there has been a lot of information I've been putting on Cardlytics, even including uh, what I'm doing in terms of buying and selling. Uh, I did a specific post about buying Cardlytics below $3 with leverage. Uh, and here's just a quick review from someone who sent me a message saying, finding your Substack when I did was a top three thing that may have happened in my life. And I'm not exaggerating. This person's a paid subscriber. Uh, this was even at a stock price below today. And I think they were, you know, utilizing some of the information that I've been putting out. So again, consider joining others, upgrading to unlock my Carlix research notes. But today, again, this is all free. And so let's discuss Q2 earnings. So the first thing was the new user experience at Chase. So I believe 25% of, of Chase users were already on the new user experience uh, for the entire Q2. And this was based on the Q1 update, as well as my own, uh, I had one account that as of March 26 was on the new user experience. So for the entire Q2, uh, that was on the new user experience, but that's only 25% of users. On July 7th, so after Q2, uh, all my Chase accounts were on the new user experience. Um, and it also sounded like based on others, when I posted this on Twitter, I was seeing a lot of people who said, oh, now I'm also upgraded to the new user, new user experience. Then on July 18th, so again, this is before uh, Q2 earnings were released in the earnings call. Uh, there was a, a, a LinkedIn post by uh, the chief business officer, Ross McNabb, who said that 100% of mobile users run the new user experience. This was great. This was a huge update. Well, what was interesting, and I didn't really call attention to this because I just didn't know really what to say, was that uh, that LinkedIn post looked to be deleted, or I at least can't see it. I can't see, I can't see it anymore. Maybe it is there again. 
but I'm wondering if they're like, hey, we wanted to wait <laughs> to announce this at earnings. Don't know for sure. So, but that did put some doubt, right? It's like, oh, are they not at 100% of uh, users on the new user experience? Um, and so that's why on the Q2 call, it was great when Kareem confirmed that 100% were on the new user experience. Uh, Kareem said, we are happy to announce that 100% is, or uh, we're, we are happy to announce that Chase is 100% live on the new user experience. So that was a very positive update. So as mentioned by Kareem uh, before, and even after the, Q, uh, after the call, he mentioned the relationship with Chase is better than ever, right? Which is very good to hear. Uh, but it's even, I mean, it's just evident, right? Like it's one thing for him to say that, but we can see that, right? Because Chase is the first major bank to move to the new ad server and the new user experience uh, and even lower their rev share. Something that I, I've discussed in my research notes in the past that was a, a large possibility uh, and can have a very large positive impact. And we'll discuss that here in a little bit more, but that just shows you that they're probably the best relationship that Carlytics has, which is very interesting because it was not that long ago that, you know, Chase acquired Fig, stock sells off, everyone's like, Chase is leaving, to now being really <laughs> the best partner that Chase, uh, that Carlytics has, and that is moving to the new user experience, now gonna be rolling out new offer constructs, is willing to lower their billing share. It's just a complete 180 to what everyone thought was happening, uh, which I find very interesting. So one thing to keep in mind is 100% of, of Chase users on the new user experience did not occur until Q3, right? So it would have a min, it's going to have that a minimal impact in Q2, uh, but might have a slight impact in Q3. And again, I say slight, and I'm trying to temper expectations here because again, Chase is only a fraction of the total users. Uh, on a, it's different on a user base versus revenue base, but on a user base, I think it's about 30, 35% of total users. Um, and additionally, it's still early. I mean, people, users have to discover the offers. They're still going to be rolling out new offer constructs that it's just in, you know, the early testing stages of things. So yes, like there should be some positive impact and we'll discuss that here in a little bit. Uh, but again, it's only a fraction of the users. And so it's going to take time as things roll through. But again, this is still a very big update because it opens up the doors for all the future enhancements that are gonna be starting to roll out like the new offer constructs. And I did do a post on this and a YouTube video on the Chase launcher, the new user experience, where I discussed the, the richer imagery, new product level offers, new category level and department offers, excuse me, new spend stretch offers, time of day offers, <laughs> intro offers, local and SMB and more. And there's been more since then. And I'm gonna to touch on some of that in this post. So the other thing here is what I was looking for was early stats, statistics, results on the new user experience. Uh, because if we can see proof of revenue increasing with users on the new user experience at Chase, it'd be evident that, or it'd, be, it'd provide us evidence that the investment thesis is probably going to play out like we believe, which is in terms of uh, higher ARPU, average revenue per user, on more of the MAUs, uh, monthly active users. Right, so if we can see it that as as Chase starts rolling out the new user experience, that those users with the new, um, you know, the new richer imagery, the categorization, the product level offers, everything else, that if they start showing higher uh, revenue per user, we can then extrapolate that to 100% of Chase users because if they only gave us 25%, uh, but I'll get into the stats. But not only can we extrapolate that to 100% of Chase users, is eventually all banks are going to be on the new user experience, so we can extrapolate that to 100% of users. So that's why it would be nice to be provided that information. Uh, Kareem mentioned on the call that all key numbers are showing improvement with the new user experience, with not only engagement and activation, which was 
discussed on the Q1 call, but including redemptions. And that's key because now we're actually saying, it, here's, here's the way I've thought about it is you can have users uh, have higher impressions where they're looking at the, the, the offers more. They can be engaging and activating offers more. They can be clicking out to external websites more. But is it actually leading to a higher spend? Are they redeeming the offers? Because that's ultimately what I think the advertisers are gonna be caring about is that conversion aspect and spending more. I mean, same thing with the banks. They want them to be spending more uh, because it benefits everybody here. And so that was key by Cream actually mentioning uh, that one of the statistics that they're seeing or, or sharing is saying, hey, we're seeing higher redemptions. Uh, and specifically, he said, well, again, we are seeing uh, all of, we are seeing all of our key numbers, whether you're, you're thinking about uh, activations or redemptions or engagement in the program uh, overall continue to improve. So these are very, very positive signals for us, uh, but we're making the right changes in the business. So based on the discussions after the Q2 call, uh, it sounds like it's still too early to want to share numbers, uh, specific numbers, given it's too early for attribution due to all the other improvements that are going on at the same time, uh, whether that be the new offer constructs, the dynamic marketplace, and bidding, uh, and more. And so, but but on the call and after the call, I mean, again, Kareem still confirmed that, uh, that the improvements from the new user experience is definitely positive, and it's specifically discussing these redemptions. And so while I don't love not having hard numbers at this time, I'm feeling more and more comfortable with Carlytics and specifically Kareem and his ability to execute. I also think that we're going to start to see a non-linear benefit from all these different efforts rolling out with the new user experience, the new, uh, the new offer constructs, unlocking new ad budgets uh, from brands, CPGs, uh, consumer product, uh, packaged goods, uh, uh, budgets at category level now having all uh, from cardlytics now having receipt level data and product level offers again that's that's huge i'm going to discuss that a little bit later but essentially again before cardlytics could not go after all these budgets at the product uh or budgets that are brand cpgs at the department or category level because they weren't able to provide that data that's why they went after bridge to get the receipt level data instead of just statement level or store level data and so that's a lot of budgets and a lot of ad spend that could be rolling out onto the platform. And so you have that. Uh, what else did I discuss here? You have more automations coming out, the dynamic marketplace and bidding, which I'm going to discuss and I think is very big. And so again, you have all these things <laughs> that are rolling out. It's a lot. It's a lot of things that are only just beginning to happen. I mean, you know, I, I also think Kareem is executing on these things. He, he's mentioned, hey, these are the things we're going to do, and he's doing it, right? So the probability of these, these happening are large. And so it's a matter of, well, what, how big are we talking about? And I'm going to just throw out some numbers here in a little bit, a little bit, uh, a little later. Uh, but altogether, I don't think it's just as simple as these aren't independent items. I think these all combine together, which can lead to a nonlinear positive benefit. Uh, let alone with operating leverage and we have improving gross margins. So again, we have a lot of things heading in one direction, which I think is a large positive. So uh, I, again, I'm going to discuss these down below um, in a little bit more depth. And as mentioned in the Carlytics research notes, uh, number 185, where I'm I discussed important items before the call, uh, it is possible that Carlytics will wait to share specific stats on the new user experience, uh, given they said and we intend to disclose some of these statistics when we have scaled data across more bank partners. 
So it's possible Cardlytics will want to wait until the new user experience is on Wells and B of A, um, because this could be a function of Cardlytics not wanting to share uh, one specific bank uh, and the related information. Uh, I think Lynn, when she was CEO, kind of mentioned this as well. We're not, they didn't want to share information specific to one bank. I mean, there's privacy concerns, but I think there could be other things at large there that um, it kind of makes sense why Carlytics on this call didn't really call out maybe specifically what they're seeing in terms of ARPU on the new user experience for just these, uh, just Chase. Okay, next update. B of A and Wells on the new ad server, new user experience. Uh, again, having these two banks and essentially getting up to 100% on the new user experience could have a large impact. I mean, one thing is it can improve the switching costs or increase the switching costs for these banks. I've discussed that elsewhere, why I believe that. Uh, but another large benefit is, is the sooner we can get these banks on the new user experience, the sooner we can have the related improved uh, financial impact. Uh, so Cream did provide an update on the Q2 call saying, uh, we expect nearly all major banks to move to the new ad server and new user experience by the middle of 2024 this compares uh versus uh the end of 2023 so as we have said in the past bank timelines can change quarter to quarter we're happy uh we're having constructive conversations with our partners and our goal is for adoption to happen as soon as possible okay so here, a couple things related to uh korean mentioning the constructive conversations after the call Krim mentioned that B of A is working with Cardlytics on what they want the new user uh, experience to look like, which provides a level of confirmation that they intend to move, right? We, we, we kind of know that they're going to move, but I, I just want that, confirm that confirmation. It increases the odds. It provides a higher level of certainty that's going to happen. And so, again, that was not mentioned on the call, but after the call, they're like, oh, yeah, we're actually working with them on what they want it to look like because it is uh, specific to the banks, Right? I mean, if you look at Chase and the new user experience, it has a level of, it matches what everything else looks like. And so it's not like before where it's like, oh, you click on this um, and it might be, uh, I, I don't want to get into too much depth, but it does match everything else with the app. And so that's good, right? And it can provide a level of uniqueness, a level of differenti differentiation between the banks as well by saying, hey, we want our user experience to look a, a little bit different. That's kind of what I was getting at before. Before, it was all just those tiles. Everyone had the tiles. It all looked the same. Now they can say, hey, what do you want? Do you want it to look a little bit different? Uh, because... If you think about it, like right now, uh, U.S. Bank is on the new ad server. They have some aspects of the new user experience. Uh, not quite, but for instance, they still have the tiles, but when you click on an offer, uh, they have images in the offer. No other bank had that before, right? Now Chase, they have images on the outside of the offer and in the inside of the offer. So that's something different. Uh, so again, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what it could look like on B of A. And so that's exactly, B of A is working with Cardlytics right now on what they want their user experience to look like to provide a different, uh, a new level of differentiation. Again, one thing I want to call out is I, I did mention in research note uh, number 185 about the important information or items to be looking out for. Before the call, I said, uh, Chase moving to the new ad server and rolling out the new user experience was the most important and already uh, occurred. So that was great. But then the next thing I said, it isn't the end of the world if this gets pushed back further. And then what I mean, what I was talking about is the timelines with B of A and Wells moving to the new user experience. So I said, it isn't the end of the world if this gets pushed back further, but the earlier the better, such as for the reasons I mentioned earlier and having more time to scale revenue before the 2025 converts mature. And to be clear, uh, Carlytics doesn't need to have the cash on hand to handle the converts. 
if Carlos continues to improve their financials and become cash flow positive, uh, they shouldn't have any issues with rolling uh, over to the new convert. So what I was talking about there was saying, okay, it'd be great. Like I'm worried about like they're, they're, we want to be able to handle the 2025 converts when they mature. And it would help if B of A and Wells were on the new ad server and the new user experience because it could improve the financial results. Uh, again, I'm putting this, that my context was, uh, it doesn't really matter if it gets pushed back, but it'd be nice. And, but I'm really just want to see that positive free cash flow. Well, on the Q2 column, we'll discuss this in a little bit. On the Q2 column and in the financial results, Carlix is now uh, on track to be positive free cash flow on an annual basis. They were positive free cash flow this quarter. And so again, that was what I wanted to see. I thought they might've needed the new user experience, uh, uh, B of A and Wells and the new user experience to have it happen. They didn't, and we'll discuss that. Uh, and so that was even the, the more positive aspect there. So we should be good, good there. Additionally, Kareem seems to be giving himself some more room with timelines. Uh, for instance, Kareem uh, and Cardlytics, I guess in just in general, recently pushed back the cash flow positive timing. Last call, right? They said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna push this out a little bit. Only for them then to hit it early, like not only this quarter, but that was even uh, sooner than originally even expected. So Again, it kind of shows like, okay, they're saying, yeah, we're not going to hit this. We're going to push back what we're telling everybody only to hit it sooner. So we could maybe see that with the timelines with B of A and Wells with the new user experience where again, they're pushing it out, but maybe it then even happens before we all expect it. Don't know. Just saying that was what just recently happened. Additionally, again, we have the fact that B of A is working with Cardlytics on what they want the new user experience to look like. So they're already having those discussions. Uh, and I don't think rollout takes too long, at least to at least get the first users, uh, the first uh, first rollout occurring. So maybe we see that with B of A. Additionally, Wells on June 9th, there was a, a, they were saying, hey, we're, we're continuing to roll out the reimagined Wells Fargo app right? And more coming throughout 2023. And so it's like, okay, maybe part of the one, you know, every month, I think they even said that. Yeah. New, uh, with new app updates each month throughout 2023. Well, it's only August. So we have multiple months left. So maybe on one of those months throughout 2023 is the new user experience, a uh, part of the offers. Don't know. Again, might not happen. Uh, this was June. So maybe that was the plan originally. And maybe things have changed the last two months. Don't know. Uh, but it's possible, right? I also believe there's a higher probability of the major banks moving sooner, uh, given it's likely easier to convince B of A and Wells to do so sooner, given Chase has already rolled it out. There's some level of pressure of, hey, Chase is, has further differentiation right now. Uh, maybe those who have a B of A, uh, or the, yeah, you have B of A, Wells, or Chase, maybe you're using your Chase app more, looking at these offers. Maybe you're using more card spend. Maybe they're taking some share. I mean, that's lower probability event, but there is some level of competitiveness there, which Chase has talked about before when they were comparing to Amex. They said, hey, they're further ahead of us with offers. We, and that's what I think even ultimately led them to pursue Cardlytics. That was a while ago, like 2018. Uh, but also additionally on these lines, it's probably more likely that BVA and Wells will roll it out the new user experience sooner if Cardlytics can take some of their statistics of, of a higher engagement, more spend, uh, and provide that. Uh, from Chase, provide that to Wells and be available. Like, hey, look what we're having happen now by moving the new user experience. We can do this for you right now. You just need to move the new ad server and roll this out, All right? So I think it's easier to convince a bank to do that and sooner with that information. But again, there's only a few more months left of 2023. So if it gets pushed back to 2024, it's not the end of the world. Again, Chase was the big one. And now they're already on a positive free cash flow basis, uh, which is probably even the larger update there. 
So new potential banks, uh, Kareem mentioned, discussions with multiple top 20 banks and several high upside fintechs remain ongoing. And we are confident we will sign at least one of these major partners by the end of 2023. He's already said that, but he's confirming it again. We still have time. So this was nice to hear uh, that it's still likely to have a new major bank partner signed by the end of the year. Uh, maybe it's only a fintech, right? Uh, maybe, but maybe it's a major fintech. I mean, there's some major ones that would be great to have. I mean, the obvious one uh, is Cash App <laughs> uh, with Square and everything, but I I don't know if that will happen or not. That'd be great. Uh, there's some other aspects that I've thought about. I've talked to the past. You know, funny enough, one of the posts I did maybe like two years ago, maybe, God, it's almost crazy to think about, uh, but was discussing like Stripe could be a partner uh, with all the integrations that they do, some of the aspects with the cards, uh, but we'll see there. Um, but obviously there's the connection with Kareem is why I've even thought about it a little bit more. Uh, the other aspect, Kareem also said at least one. So that does open the doors. Maybe one is a FinTech, but maybe one's a bank, right? And again, adding another major bank would be a big one win because it'd be adding more scale for advertisers and more data leading to additional spends and maybe more advertisers joining the platform and sending out more offers, which would be great because it would lead to more offers, more relevant offers, higher chance of higher relevancy for users, uh, higher cash back for users, leading to more engagement, more spend, which could then attract more banks in terms of uh, not only more banks joining the platform, but existing banks leaning in. And what I mean by leaning is, I mean, just look at Chase. They're rolling out the new ad server, the new user experience, uh, and even lowering the rev share, right? If Carlos can keep providing the value, becoming a great partner, indispensable, no better alternatives. Uh, you know, the banks might say, gosh, we need to use them. So more banks want to use them. And existing banks say, well, we don't want to lose them. Uh, and by doing all these things, it just it has a virtuous cycle in some aspects where again, Carlos can reinvest, make the, pl the platform better or the product better for even the users, the advertisers. It just keeps going. It's I've talked about that at length before, uh, and that's one aspect that I really do like with Carlitics, and again, adds to that non-linear benefit as these all keep rolling together. Because again, a lot of this at this time, I hate, I don't want to jinx it, but again, it's just looking at what's happening, is everything's kind of progressing the way that we want it to progress. Yes, everything's been maybe a little bit slower. I mean, I've been talking about this for going on almost like three years now, it seems like. Um, but things are finally starting to make changes are happening, right? I mean, I mean, the new user experience is huge, new products, new, new like product level offers, the new ad budgets that are gonna be unlocked, uh, more automations. Uh, I mean, the, the dynamic marketplace and the bidding aspects, these are all things we've been hearing about for so long and they're finally happening, right? And they're all, and all moves in the same direction. So also on the, on the front of new potential banks, again, this is also something brand new. I mean, previous management was like, we're fine, we got enough scale and even, and I, I didn't love that. Uh, and even investors are like, yes, focus on ARPU, which again, I get that, right? You have a sufficient scale, but I, I didn't love the aspect that the previous management was like, we're done. We're not even looking at other banks, right? Uh, but Kareem came in and said, okay, we still need more scale. And not only in the United States, but internationally, but there is, I, but again, he's talking about even here, just the multiple top 20 US banks. And so I did a post, uh, research note number 184, discussing pot a potential new major uh, bank partner. 
I, I discussed all the potential bank partners that I think in terms of major bank partners in the United States. Uh, but then I went into depth on one specific major bank partner that I think is more likely than others. I go into de detail why this bank is not only likely, uh, 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 but why it could actually happen, why it might happen. Despite many investors were ruling this bank out because of past, the, I think it was uh, the past or former chief revenue officer in a Tika's call was like, oh, they're not possible. And I, and I actually, in that post, I explained why I didn't think that was an issue anymore. And I, I, I think I, I don't know, there was multiple reasons I listed out. Uh, but then after the Q2 call, uh, Trim even mentioned that this bank is certainly still a prospect. Okay. And so I thought that is very good to hear, right? Because again, that's different than what a lot of investors think. I think this, I don't know if the, I think Carlos could be pursuing them. I don't know if they'll be the first one that gets announced. I think there's a high probability that this bank, this major bank could be announced. So make sure you check that out both if you're interested. Okay, next huge update. This was a giant update. <laughs> um, shockingly so. And the market did not react when this first got announced, uh, which was July 5th. I think over the couple, like the month after that, I guess it's only been a month, really. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, the stock kind of did start reacting, but there was a lot going on with, you know, some other companies also going up in, in, in terms of their stock price. So I don't know if the market really reacted to this the way that I think it should, because this is was a huge deal, right? I think I even publicly stated uh, in one of my research notes that the risk of Chase leaving was pretty low. Uh, but there could be like, because one of the, the, the ways to combat it or what we would probably see first is maybe Cardlix giving up some of their rev share going back to Chase to say, hey, we'll pay you even more, right? Like, like that to me was like the lower risk thing, but that didn't happen. It went the complete opposite way with Chase giving up some of their share of billings. And so Cardlix increasing their share of billings or, or rev share is the different term, but the, in terms of the contract, it's, it's in terms of billing share. So this was huge. Right, because this is an impact where you're you're retaining a higher share of the revenue, and there's not an associated impact uh, with operating expenses. Right now, there's some nuances there. I did do a full post on this in terms of the change in uh, the change in billing shares, so make sure you check that out. Research note number 180. Uh, but again, specifically on this update, this was not during the Q2 call, but uh, before. One of the things I just want to mention it says the supplier billing share will remain at or above. Uh, this increased uh, uh, supplier billing share rate through the end of the initial term. One other aspect here, before I get even into that, this happened before renewal, which is just another that speaks a lot to this. It wasn't like, oh, when we get to renewal, we'll have uh, we'll discuss the change of billing share. It was before. That's a huge deal. But the other aspect, the fact that it says oh, the the share billings will remain at or above, to me. Again, why state that unless they think that maybe there's some predefined conditions or things that Carlos can hit that they say, hey, if you achieve these, maybe new products, uh, 100%, well, they already reached 100% of the new user experience. Uh, I, again, I discussed this way more in depth in, in the, the new research notes, but there could be some conditions where we could actually see this even increase. Again, one thing to keep in, uh, to, to keep in mind is, well, I guess I did back into some of the numbers for Q2, it's only for one month. They did, so this was announced July 5th, but they said actually it was retroactive and it was effective uh, on June 1st. So it did impact Q2, but only for one quarter. And again, it's only for Chase. And so I was backing into some of these numbers. It does appear that the change in billing share is slightly more than what I was expecting on the low end, which is good. I might release some of those numbers later. I'll probably release those in my research notes. Um, but again, Q2 impact, minimal, only chase, 
but it more specifically only for one month of the quarter. So for Q3, you're going to have that full impact. Uh, so Q3, you have you know the, the full impact from 100% of Chase users on the new user experience and a full month of the different uh, billing share. So that's good. Uh, and then I did post specifically, Krim was asked, you know, what new products or service that you're providing uh, that would encourage banks to want to negotiate the terms uh, just for time's sake. That's there. That's, I put the uh, transcript or that section of the transcript uh, within this post. And again, if you're looking for more information on the change of billing share, make sure you check out research note number 180 because I discuss you know, what this means in the near term in terms of impact to cash flow, liquidity, and other strong signals. I discussed some of my assumptions on the percentage change, what this means long term, and much more. Related, update number six, uh, was I was waiting to see if there was going to be any discussion on banks or other banks that were also lowering their share of billings, kind of like Chase, uh, see if B of A or Wells. Krim did not provide any updates on the call. But I also mentioned in Carlytics Research Notes, no, okay, sorry, specifically did not mention any updates. I got to be really nuanced here. Let me just read this. <laughs> I said, while I still feel it is likely we will eventually see B of A and Wells also follow Chase with lowering their billing share, or, their, or lowering their share of revenue. Karim did not comment on this. I also mentioned in the uh, Cardinalytics research note number 180 that new banks would uh, should be at a lower revenue share uh, when they're onboarding. So if like the major bank that I think could, that could be added or other banks, I think they will likely be at a lower uh, revenue share. Even Lynn, former CEO, mentioned new banks should be at a lower percentage given they are taking on le less risks than some of the first major banks, right? So even just before we even got into this whole introduction and the possibility of banks lowering the revenue share, just new banks in general, which should be at a lower share of billings. But now you've introduced this to a chase that Cardlytics and Krim are trying to lower it, so it could even be further. And Krim had, uh, has made additional comments on this front and did confirm after the call that ideally, so ideally that new banks would be at a much lower uh, revenue share, which would have a large positive, now he did not say this, this is me, but this would have a large a positive financial impact, right? You have uh, higher gross margins combines with, you're adding a bank that, I mean, when they talked about Wells, it was like, I think they said maybe one additional person was needed right? Uh, so it has, it has low incremental OPEX. Uh, so could with combined with operating leverage would have huge impacts, right? If you can add a major bank. I mean, Krim did mention this, uh, I think it was December 7th, 2022 conference, uh, where he said even internationally, as we add new banks, because we're in the new, we have, it's cloud-based. There's not as much on-prem necessary with all the tech related there. It's on the cloud. It takes very little in terms of additional resources at the operational expense level of adding these new banks. You might internationally, you're going to have to add then maybe some additional expenses in terms of sales force because it might need, you might need new advertisers because they're not, they don't com completely translate from the United States. But if you're talking about the United States and you add a new bank, I, I believe Wells was one additional person. You might not even need additional person now. And so even even additional person is like nothing in terms of operational expense. And so this would have a huge impact and it's not the same impact of a bank today because it would be coming at a lower revenue share in possibly even lower than we were originally expecting. So adding a new bank in general, very positive. <laughs> and I think even B of A and Wells could follow along with lowering their share of billings. And I think Chase could go even lower. And I think, again, I discussed this in research number 180 and I give some numbers. I think the percentage changes 
uh, could be larger than others are anticipating, uh, which would be very good. Another positive update was Carlytics did recently announce a new CFO. So this actually happened before the call uh, on July 18th, but th then Carlytics discussed this a little bit more, but Carlytics announced and appointed a new chief financial officer, Alexis Desiano. And so I believe uh, the odds of Carlytics being able to handle the maturing line of credit as well as the 2025 converts have increased and not just handle, but I believe Alexis will be able to handle this in the best manner possible fully utilizing current resources, maybe more so than the past management, like like with the large amount of accounts receivable on hand, uh, as well as with looking out for shareholders. So I think Alexis was a great hire. I think it'll have a very large positive impact for shareholders, uh, which will be great, right? And so I did do a full in-depth note on this on number 183, discussing uh, her experience, her education, start date, restricted stock units, upcoming needs, specifically I was talking about the line of credit in the, in the converts, as well as overall current thoughts, which again, overall, I think it, it was a great hire and should have a very good impact with Cartlytics. Next update, Bridge Retail Media Networks and CPG products. Uh, this is something that is under discussed. I don't think people really realize what's going on, right? You have the core Cartlytics product uh, with the banks and that's moving, moving along nicely. Bridge on their self, they have recently switched from focusing on being uh, a customer data platform to now focusing on products for the retail media networks. Specifically, uh, retail media networks have gained a lot of traction with like larger retailers who have sufficient scale to go after advertisers. But regional mid-market retailers, they don't have enough scale necessarily for advertisers or to attract advertisers to make it worth it. So Bridge can come in, uh, attach and integrate with the POS, POS point of sale systems, and they can identify unknown customers. What that can do, and to be able to uh, uh, advertise to them, they can identify and target and advertise to them. What that does is they can Bridge can work with these smaller uh, mid-market regional retailers and say, we can increase your scale to attract more advertisers. Again, it's like the banks are getting scale. So it's kind of the same premises, but going at it in a different way with the retailers, not with the banks. So by creating the scale for the retailers, it opens up the opportunity to also create a product for the CPGs. So specifically, uh, Carlix mentioned that Bridge was accelerating their, revolu uh, their evolution of the business from a customer data platform to a retail media network for mid-markets and regional retailers. And they said, by building scale for these retailers, we can create a compelling new product for CPGs to gain insights, gain incremental sales, and measure campaigns. Uh, and that the bridge teams were hard at work at a go-to effort that will enable this vision, providing a best-in-class retail media network uh, for smaller retailers. And as bridge scales, we will also see improvement to our adjusted contribution margin due to higher growth uh, growth margin. Uh, I think that uh, gross margin, I think is what it should say, uh, which will possibly affect cash flow. I'll discuss this in a little bit. I'll just mention it right here. This is a giant market. Krim has mentioned that they want to get a slice of this because they think there's there's billions here. I mean, they put in uh, Bridges White Paper, it's a $100 billion market with around you know, 70 to 90% gross margins, which is huge, let alone, you know, we're already now, Carlos is pretty much on a cash flow positive basis. And so you start adding on, you know, hundreds or billions of, you know, of revenue from this bridge line with a high gross margin, it's going to have a huge impact in terms of cash flow right? Again, this is bridge. This is something separate. I think this is under discussed. I think, I think Crib is very excited about this. I think they are making some headway. I mean, specifically 
Zen, uh, on the Q2 call, our retail media networks uh, have received positive responses from major national CPG brands, and the initial feedback we're gathering highlights this excitement. Um, again, Q1 call, uh, they said we were they, that, that Carlos was, or Bridge was hoping that some of these retail media network clients would convert to full-scale relationships later this year, and then after the call, Krim said he still expects them that their retail media network products to scale into the year uh, and for next year. And so I did a full post number, a research note number no, number 179, which I called the $100 billion opportunity with the retail media networks and CPGs. And I discussed, you know, all the different aspects of this on that note. Again, I think this is, I, I think I've said enough about it, but I think some people just don't even realize what's going on because again, it hasn't materialized. And I think it's one of those things where it's like people give this zero weight or zero probability of occurring when in fact, Carlos, I mean, it's 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 a it fully uh fully relates to what Bridge can do and relates to what Carlytics as a whole is trying to accomplish. So it fits nicely and I think can have a very large impact going forward. Uh, so I'll, that's exciting. Another large update, and I might do a full. I, I plan to. I because I have spent so much time focused on this, uh, and I thought that this could happen. I had to post draft it. That's related to the Bridge earnout. Right, so Q1 maybe it was right before Q1, and then after Q1, Carlitics announced that you know. So as a little uh, backup, you had the earnouts with Bridge and Bridge or SRS, the shareholder representative services. I think uh, they disputed the earnouts, and so everyone was worried about the earnout. They thought Carlitics was going to go bankrupt on it, and then they announced, "Oh, we expect our cash payment for the first earnout to be 72.6 million and zero for the second one." And everyone's like, "Wow." That's great. That was better than expected. Uh, and the stock reacted positively. Uh, but then after learning about some more information, I was thinking, hey, there's a chance here because there was a filing with Delaware that Carlytics was actually going, to, is actually disputing the dispute, right? They thought, hey, the independent accountant that determined the number overstepped and there's a contract in there that's added that shouldn't be added. And so we think this actually should be less. And I was going to do a post about it. And I was like, uh, I'm going to wait to see if at Q2, uh, if Carlos discusses anything, uh, which they did, right? Well, they actually really didn't discuss much on the call. It was in the 10Q. So I put that section in here, but specifically Carlytics, because all of a sudden I was like, wait, why is the cash balance at Q2 so much higher than I thought? The reason is that Carlos did not pay out 72.6 million. They paid out 50.1. I think it was like 50 million and like $50,000 or something along those lines. And so 22 and a half million, I think less money was paid out. So that has a $22 million positive impact on liquidity, which is huge in relation to Carlytics and their cash balance. I mean, that's giant, right? And there's a potential because Carlytics essentially said the amount that we think is being, you know, that we are challenging, we're not paying that out. So if Carlytics wins that, right? They won't pay that. <laughs> and so there's a potential that this is it, that they actually paid out way less. And like, no one was discussing this. And that's huge, right? That's a huge amount of money in respect to Carlytics. And so again, if, even if Carlytics did have to pay out that additional amount that everyone expected was going to be the full amount to pay, this might now not happen for a long time because now it's going to go through the Delaware courts. Uh, so this is, I mean, everything about this is great because it's almost like an interest-free loan, uh, unless I have to, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there is any interest tied to this. So everything about it is a very large positive impact. Uh, again, I thought this could happen. I didn't know exactly some of the details and the numbers. I plan on doing a research notes. It, right now, it's like my most in-depth research note I've ever done uh, because I've spent so much time going through, thinking through the numbers. 
Uh, and I, I, I might be a little bit till I post it because I really want to make sure I do the best I can on this one. Um, and I have fun thinking about it. It's like a puzzle trying to solve this. But overall, all you need to know as of today is the amount that, that Car or yeah, that Carlos paid out for the bridge that was less than everyone anticipated and it dramatically improved liquidity in the near term. Let alone when you combine that with cash flow that was way more positive than I was expecting. Liquidity just on a general, and I'll discuss it. I'll provide the numbers in a little bit, but it was way better than I anticipated. Way better, which is great. <laughs> uh, product level offers. Uh, Karim even said, we launched our first campaign with receipt level data. Again, before Carlytics only has bank statements, which might say Target, $100. But now with receipts, like if you spend $100 at Target, you might see exactly the products that were purchased. Uh, then Karim mentioned, this is important because it opens up incremental demand from CPGs uh, and retailers who need product level reporting. Uh, it also gives consumers access to better content and offers they want to see. Right. Instead of you might get an offer from a, a place like Panera and you didn't even know that they sold coffee. But now you have like because Carlos can do product level offers, you could get a, a, a product. Uh, you could get an offer that says, hey, here's coffee at Panera. And you could target people that are spending a lot in the coffee category. Right. And so a lot you can do there. Really exciting stuff should open up a lot of ad budgets. Again, these I think I, uh, I'll talk about it here in a sec. So, again, this is all sooner than I was expecting. I was expecting the second half of the year. Uh, and it happened in Q2, which is great, um, or at least announced at Q2, which again, sooner than expected. Um, again, depending on how quickly Cardless can scale this, it could be interesting in terms of Q3 and Q4, because now 100% of Chase users uh, are on the new user experience. That provides a significant amount, like 60 some million users, which is a, quite a bit of scale, which, because again, that was the thing is even if US Bank was on the new ad server, so you could have started doing some maybe new products, but you need them on the new user experience. Uh, but that wasn't enough scale, right? That was the whole thing is also, which I think is under discussed, and I just want to quickly mention, is the aspects with ad agencies using the new ads manager, which has some aspects of letting them to do like self-service for them to do some of it. That only worked with banks on the new ad server. So before it was only US Bank, and so that was like five to 10 million users maybe, which wasn't enough scale. So it didn't, they didn't really care. Now Chase is on the new ad server. So that's sufficient scale. So that was only not only for ad agencies uh, with using the, like the self-service components of the new ads manager, but now you have enough scale for even the larger CPGs and other brands to say, wow, that's a lot of scale that we could start doing products, not just US Bank like before, but now with Chase. And so that's a large impact. Uh, and again, one thing that could happen sooner here is you have bridge clients who could now start that could easily just start using Cardlytics, but you also have these large ad agencies who have these CPGs and brands as clients that they have that these ad agencies who have been using Cardlytics think uh, Horizon Media, uh, Vayner Media. They've been they have some clients that can use Cardlytics, but they have all these other clients that could not use Cardlytics before. So that just is a quick tangent or a quick way that Carlos could start getting these clients. It's not like going out cold, these brand new CPGs and say, hey, try and develop a relationship. It's Carlos can work with the existing ad, ad agencies and say, hey, all your other clients now, you know Carlos works, you've been using it forever, you see the impact. Now all your other clients that are in the CPG brand levels can also start using Carlos. So that's, that's huge. Other huge thing. So in the past, huge, I keep saying that because <laughs> uh, there's so many great big positive updates here. And I get excited. I, I think I can even tell myself I'm getting more excited as I keep talking about it. Uh, is Lynn mentioned, former CEO Lynn Lobby mentioned that this double TAM, right? And should double ARPU. And it's like, well, even intuitively that makes sense because again, before Carlitos could not go after where over half the advertising market is at, at the brand CPG department category level. Uh, 
like I think even Home Depot, Lowe's, like most of their ad budgets are at the department level. So they like these we couldn't card lenders could not get all the ad spend that was possible, double of what what's out there, right? Or or the other half. And so if Carlos couldn't unlock that, that should double the TAM and double the amount of, of ad spend in ARPU in the channel. And Karim confirmed this, that this that the receipt level offers should actually lead to double the TAM and ARPU, but did caveat, it's going to take time to scale all this, right, to, to something actually big. But that's still an important update when you're trying to think long term and what the end state in terms of ARPU is. So again, if we go back, look at 2018, just B of A as the major bank, uh, ARPU, I think it progressed from 2016, 2017, 2018, from $2.23, $2.23 to $2.30, right, in aggregate. Uh, but that is ignoring the benefits of the new, this is the, that's 2018, right? Old user experience, no travel, no luxury, no new offer pro, uh, constructs like product level offers. Uh, uh, you know, lower mobile engagement with bank, uh, mobile banking engagement. There are so many aspects where it's like even ignoring product level offers, right? Uh, everything else should improve because <laughs> these are all new things that Carlos has been rolling out. But again, if we just take the $2.30, we ignore all the other things that are happening with the new user experience, travel, luxury, ad agencies, higher mobile engagement. If we just say, we take the 230 and we double uh, that, you know, we're about $5, right? But here's the other thing. That 2030, there was, I actually went and, I originally thought it was B of A, but I found the exact quote where Scott Grimes, old co-founder, old CEO said, one of their regional banks was even at $4. They said this was a bank that was rolling out all the things and taking all the improvements. And that was again, two, like 2018 timeline was at $4. So if you think then with just product level offers and the, and the associated ad budgets and everything unlocks, doubles TAM and doubles ARPU, now you're at $8 plus, right? Because you think, okay, but again, that $4 was old user experience, no travel, no luxury, <laughs> no new ad manager, no ad agencies, lower mobile engagement with banks. All those things should lead to even more than $8, right? But let's just say it's $8, right? We'll ignore everything else which I think is too conservative. So if you take the math, you take $8 times 200 million MAUs, which is just a little bit more than a day. I don't even think that takes a new bank. That just takes natural progression with our current banks. 50% uh, red share, which I think is too high. I think even on, I think even as of today, it's lower, uh, which takes lowering theirs, but I think it's going to continue to lower. Uh, 200 million of OPEX and delivery costs because delivery costs kind of stay fixed. And OPEX, I don't think really needs to scale too much here. 20% tax, 20X multiple, Minus 260 million for converts in the line of credit. I did a fully diluted share count. So the bridge earnouts, uh, RSUs, and some others. Uh, that gives you about 200, uh, $201 per fully diluted share count. $201 versus 14 today, or like that's like 14 times larger. And again, this ignores higher ARPU potential. That seems very likely for the reasons I discussed. Ignores higher MAUs. Cardinalist has already talked with more banks and plans on uh, international expansion. Lower revenue share already occurred, probably going to continue to occur. This ignores retail media networks and the CBG products with the large market and high gross margins. It ignores the net operating losses, the NOLs. Carlix has a ton on their balance sheet. I can't remember off the top of my head if it's like 626, and that might only be, that only might even be federal with, I don't want to quote a number, but I want to say 250 on state, but they have a ton. And again, those can offset uh, taxable income to lower uh, the tax liability on an ongoing basis. And that's a lot. That's a lot that they can offset. So that's great. And again, ignores Carlitics using the cash flow that they generate to not only pay down debt, but maybe they can even just pay down the share count. And so $201 per share 
like, yes, it just seems crazy. You know, I throw out a number like that 14 times today. People are like, nope, that's too high. That's not reasonable. I only look for, you know, 15% IRR and you doing that, it just seems crazy. But I think my assumptions here are very reasonable. Like, very reasonable. Like, and I tried to be reasonable here. Like, really, the only aggressive assumption is $8 ARPU versus today, which the trailing 12 months maybe is like around $1.50. So it does seem insane. But again, you were at $2.30. It lowered down to $150, largely because of a denominator effect of adding all these banks. And you've had some hiccups. You lost a lot with the past management. And I think is largely, you know, largely at fault for losing the largest advertiser on the platform, being slow, not listening to the bank's needs, but now it's changing. But again, 230 denominator effects, but one of the banks not was not only at 230, but was at four. And again, this was all without all the other improvements and let alone now we're gonna unlock, you know, the other half of ad spends. So that should double that. So again, I don't think $8 is unreasonable. And again, if you look at other advertisers in the North America, in North America, not internationally, not globally, if you look at North America ad spend, again, Snap, Pinterest, $20, $30 range. Again, we have something where Carlix is, is superior, not only for the user aspect, uh, where it's actually providing the value, and not only for the banks, but even for advertisers uh, with the reach, but also the certainty of measurement uh, with randomized control trials and be able to actually know the incremental lift uh, from Carlix, the, the actual return on ad spend, and not some estimated or, or through multi-touch attribution or some other model. So a lot there, <laughs> a lot of rambling, but this is why I continue to be excited about Carlytics. Q2 results, revenue was on the, uh, you know, was higher than guidance. Adjusted contribution was on the high end. Adjusted EBITDA was higher than expected. Operating cash flow was five point, over 5.7 uh, million this quarter. Positive free cash flow, huge. I think it was over 3 million. That's great. Again, and I was expecting something way less. <laughs> so that was a huge surprise. Also note Q2 commentary. I think was messed up. They, which again, it was better than they even communicated. Where they made it sound like, or Krim made it sound like it was during Q2. We used 4.3 million of operating activities and 5.5 million in software development and capital expenditures. It wasn't during Q2. It was actually six months ended. Uh, so that was good. It, it was actually better in the quarter. Q3 guidance. Uh, I mean, the big thing was adjusted EBITDA. Uh, between negative 2 million, positive 2 million. So we could see positive free cash flow again. Uh, but full year 2024 guidance, they said, we are now on a path to sustain positive operating cash flow, free cash flow and adjusted EBITDA on an annual basis. Our expectation is positive annual adjusted EBITDA and operating free cash flow for 2024. That is amazing. That is so great. Head of schedule. Multi-tier tier, uh, pilot. This is the next update. So on the Q1 call, uh, Karim even mentioned that they expected to launch an alpha version of this in Q2. Um, they give the example of 5% uh, offer in Los Angeles, but 5% elsewhere. It, it's weird to me that they said they were gonna, this is like a new thing because that exact example, <laughs> I had an offer from a year ago uh, from Hilton. So don't fully know, understand the aspects of what's different here. But again, that was the only time I saw that really. So again, maybe now, Full on more testing of it, and they had a successful pilot with a 21 period in store uh, channels as a percentage total ad spend increased from 34 to 71 percent. Next update pricing pilot. Uh, this is interesting because this is something that's been discussed for a long time over the last couple of years, and it's the first time that it's actually started to roll out. I might do a full post on this as we start to learn more about it because if it's a, if it's what I think it is. 
and I think it is, <laughs> this is, could have a larger impact than I think most realize. And so uh, Krim mentioned we launched a target return on, on our spending pricing pilot in the past months. This pricing model leverages a dynamic marketplace and features bidding on impressions, bidding on impressions, a dynamic pricing adjustments and a, a, an immediate reconnection of campaign spent. There is stuff in there, this is me now, <laughs> that these are things that I've heard about for a long time. It's what other advertisers are doing, but should have a much larger impact on Carlytics than I think most assume. And, so, and Carlytics said, while early, these capabilities at scale will vastly improve the efficiency of our financials in the long term. So, uh, but again, this has been discussed by prior management who said it required the cloud and the new ad server. And so that makes sense of why this has started to roll out with everyone now getting their data in AWS and, and banks like Chase rolling out the new ad server. The bidding aspect, right? Sounds like it's closer to auction-based pricing, which would be huge. And again, is something I've been waiting for where right now we, Carlix does not do auction-based pricing and it could create it where, uh, could increase ad spend quite dramatically with Carlytics. Uh, again, you could have it where there's current inefficiencies where Carlytics is giving way too high return. You know, five to one incremental return on ad spend, not five to one return on ad spend, incremental return on ad spend, which is way too high. I mean, others that I've seen uh, when they actually, you know, maybe they'll say, oh, we do five to one return on ad spend. But when you actually do an attribution of it, like with some, you know, marketing mix modeling or a multi-touch attribution, it's something like two or three times. But again, that's estimated. It's not known. And so you have the, the aspect of returns are too high on Cardless right now, and it's certain. So you could have the aspect of that inefficiencies get weeded out, right? It becomes a marketplace. I mean, this is what it is. It's a like, you have, if you, <laughs> sorry, you have the, this is literally the ads marketplace now. And so inefficiencies could be weeded out by advertisers who are smart enough to understand what's going on here. And they could start slowly bidding up the prices uh, to still understand that they're getting a positive return versus anywhere else. So that's could be huge, right? You have, you could have, ugh, there's so much. I've discussed this in the past. Um, I, I do want, I want to wait where I do a full post on this. It'll probably be my research notes because um, this is quite exciting, right? And this leads into why I think there's, you know, we talk about $8 of ARPU and you think that's non-linear growth. Well, I think these are things that when you start rolling everything together and product level offers and the new user experience, it should be a non-linear growth, right? So it's quite exciting. Another thing, new hires. Not only Alexis is a CFO, but Carlos has been getting a lot of other senior hires, which is great because I think it's a good sign that Carlos can attract good talent now. They're pulling away from people. Uh, I've, I've seen other Stripe, Square, some other places as well that are very high level talent that are coming to Cardlytics, which is a positive sign, right? Because it speaks to not only Karim and his ability to attract talent, but the condition of the business, right? That they're able to say not only the, the potential, but like, hey, we're in a great spot now. You have a great liquidity. We're on a cash flow positive basis and look at what we can accomplish. People are willing to come here now. Um, which also has a positive feedback of you're getting more, you know, attracting better and better talent, which can lead to better and better results. Liquidity analysis. So I have done a lot in my research notes about the liquidity, especially when it was presumably tighter than expected uh, when you're running through some bridge earnout, uh, you know, scenarios. But now we have a much tighter range of what's possible. But these updates at Q2, liquidity has improved meaningfully. Like, so I have a, a picture right here of Q, my what I expected of liquidity after Q1. And I thought, you know, going through the starting uh, cash position at Q1, uh, subtracting out the bridge earnout expectation, 
than operating cash flow from like on a whole year basis. It led to ending liquidity. And if you uh, add in the unused LOC on credit, you got to about $40 million, $43 million. Okay. After Q2, <laughs> I, I had to run this by others because I'm like, am I missing something? Because this is ridiculous. You had the fact that the bridge earnout paid out was over $20 million less than expected. They paid out 20 million less. So that improved liquidity 20 million. And also operating cash flow minus the investing act activity, so free cash flow, was a positive $18 million more than I expected. Maybe I was just way off, uh, but I took, I mean, originally I think the range was, oh, I can't remember exactly. Was it negative 10 to negative six adjusted EBITDA? And it ended up being negative four, so higher. But I took the mid range, uh, which I think was eight. And then I subtracted 5 million to get to like operating. And then you have some more for free cash flow. So that got me to negative 15. And in reality, it was positive three. And so combined those efforts right there added 40 million of, 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 uh, of cash or of liquidity or cash to Carlytics. So their, their Q2 cash balance was $41 million more than I expected. Like that's giant. In, in relation to everything here, right? Like we're almost double more of cash than I expected. And then now you had all the other ops, uh, uh, updates in terms of guidance, in terms of cash flow that ongoing, I just adjusted it slightly, uh, much less. I mean, $9 million total more uh, over like the next few uh, quarters. But again, ending liquidity way higher than I expected. And then you're on a free cash flow basis and everything's improving. Like I just keep you into it. I get almost too excited when I talk about it, <laughs> which is probably not a great thing. You know, I keep pounding it in my head, but before this and before talking about this, I was even sitting there like, you know, it's been a while since I was thinking about some of the things with Carlytics and by a while, well, I was very specific. I've been very specifically thinking about some key aspects with Carlytics and I haven't really thought about, you know, in general and in, in thinking about it at a high level, everything going on. And it's actually one of those things. Again, when you take away looking at market price and everything else, it's like, there is a lot of positive things happening at Carlytics uh, for the first time in a long time, right? And so that's something to get excited about, which leads me into increasing expected value. So overall, this has been a good quarter with good updates, uh, both during and after the call. Carlytics liquidity is in a very good position. Future cash flow gui guidance was nice, I mean, very nice. <laughs> uh, paying out less for bridge would be extremely beneficial and seems like a high probability of happening. Uh, hearing the progress with not only Chase, but B of A and working with B of A on what they want the new user experience to look like was very comforting. Also knowing Carlyx has seen improvement. They're actually seeing it in terms of not only engagement, but redemptions on the new user experience. Very encouraging. Also the downside risk with Carlyx now. So, I mean, all together, when you combine all those different things, the downside risk for Carlyx, I think is very, it has decreased very significantly, even versus the last call, right? So that's a huge update. Huge update uh, on many fronts. <laughs> and then Carlytics is simply just making a lot of progress in many different areas that I believe combined could lead to that non-linear impact, positive impact that I, I discuss in the future. Combined with, you have the operating leverage where a lot of these costs are fixed uh, and you have increasing gross margins, uh, not only with the bridge aspect and the new products, but also with the fact that you're uh, having rev share decrease with the banks. So downside risk seems less, probability of achieving the upside seems higher. So altogether expected value of Carlytics to me has increased which is great. Um, so for more information on Carlytics, uh, check out my research notes. I, I don't, if you're interested in Carlytics, I just don't think you're gonna be disappointed with it. If you are, after getting into it, talk to me, all right?
but I don't think, I mean, I've had plenty of, you can check out the reviews. Most people seem quite happy with it. I do think I'm still undercharging significantly in relation to what I'm doing, the amount of work and time I put into it. It's almost kind of crazy to think about. I mean, again, I don't even know if you notice this, but when I'm talking about this, like uh, I'm talking, oh, update number 180 on <laughs> Cardlytics. I'm sending out a ton of information. So if you're looking for more information about Cardlytics, make sure you check it out. Uh, a lot of it, it's not scuffed. Again, you see it, it takes me a long time to make these videos. Uh, so I can't do it. Otherwise I won't do it. And I don't, I want to do it and get out that information. So that my research notes are the way that I can pump out information. I've also, I've added uh, my, my, uh, some portfolio updates that you get access to if you upgrade to my research notes or just upgrade your subscription on Substack. I think some people have been really liking it because it takes, it's like, here's me talking about the business with Carlos Carvana, other businesses. Okay. What am I actually doing? What am I doing with with leverage? How am I allocating between Carlos Carvana? What have I been doing in the past? I've discussed this. Uh, I've been starting to do portfolio updates and I have more coming up because I've done some recent actions and I have some more plans. So again, if you upgrade, you get access to Carlos research notes, Carvana research notes, which I have more plans, uh, general research notes, and my portfolio updates. Here's some reviews. In the meantime, again, if, if anything else, if, if you haven't already, make sure you check out my interview on the After Dinner Investor Podcast. I think it was a great interview in terms of us discussing many different things in general about Carlytics. And I also did a follow-up uh, where I discussed all the scenarios in depth, which is number 177, I think, in my research notes. Uh, but it's about the 1,000-bagger scenarios uh, also, just make sure you check out all my latest updates. There's been a lot with Carlytics, and I'll be doing more. Hope you enjoyed this post and this video, and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks, everybody.